Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. The notion that one should stay silent and that as the norms and values that keep America strong are undermined, and as the alliances and agreements that ensure the stability of the entire world are routinely threatened, by the level of thought that goes into 140 characters. That was the voice of uh, Jeff Flake, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona, as he addressed uh, the U.S. Senate earlier in the week in an attack on uh, Donald Trump. Mr. Trump uh, responded immediately, as you can imagine. And uh, joining us to talk about that particular incident and what it means in his home state of Arizona is Dr. Zudi Jasser, the uh, former lieutenant commander in the United States Navy, former president of the Arizona Medical Association, and author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam. And Zudi, it's always good talking to you. Thank you, Roy. It's great to be with you again. And I understand now that there is a Canadian connection that's coming to your life. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was called uh, by your uh, Heritage uh, Committee uh, to uh, testify on uh, the M103. And M103, as you know, you've talked about many times in your program, uh, has is in a study period right now. So they're gathering testimony. And many of our friends, uh, Rahil Raza, Tark Fasa, have testified. And uh, I think they're reaching out to folks like myself who have been very outspoken about the need for free speech. And I look forward to uh, testifying on Monday about that, uh, to basically let them know that even the term Islamophobia I find offensive, that the government should never get in the business of uh, filtering free speech or having citizens be afraid to speak out. Islam does not need special protections. And if they do want to work against racism, which is what this committee has been tasked with, determining, then they should identify specific issues regarding bigotry against Muslims, against folks from other ethnicities, etc. But don't call it Islamophobia. And and uh, uh, a lot of times uh, what is prevented in free speech ends up severely restricting security issues. And I think the, the ban on niqab is a good example on how Quebec and other places can start to have smarter policies. Well, let me ask you about the niqab in, in just a moment, and, and then we'll talk about Senator Flake. But um, So you're going to tell the Heritage Committee that you're not in favor of M103, clearly. Yes. Right? And yes, absolutely. Have you had any sense of what they might expect from you? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think I'm, you know, hats off to them for getting input from Americans because uh, our free speech laws are a bit uh, more liberal and more open than yours in some ways. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they're, they've seen my work and, and how outspoken we've been 
on the need for Muslim reform. And I think they're expecting to hear what is the impact on Muslims. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say that the Canadian government wants to put on paper a, a protection against uh, hate speech and what they call Islamophobia, but what will the impact be on Muslims? And my testimony that uh, I think they have some sense that I'll be giving them is that it'll have the greatest impact on us reformers because we are the first ones to be listed as Islamophobes by, uh, you know, individuals like the person that authored this uh, M103 who really was articulating what is said in the Pakistani government about those who speak out against the government are called Islamophobes. And those of us who speak out against Islamism are identified as Islamophobes, even though we love our faith. So I hope Canada realizes that M103 is a, is a guise for restricting your greatest allies within the Muslim community who are reformers. Well, I know you're going to give them a lot to think about. And uh, and I think this, this government needs a lot to think about as far as this particular motion is concerned because of the implications it, it brings along with it and the controversy that's uh, that's come along with it as well. It, it, it needs to be really aired out, sorted out, and it needs to reflect what uh, what really is in the best interest of this country and the people of this country, obviously. Amen. Sudi, what about... What? They realize that the, the, the strongest protector for democracy is free speech. Yeah. And the moment you start identifying faiths like Islam as having rights to be protected when it's not a person. Islam is not a person. It's an idea. It doesn't deserve any protection. Muslims, people of faith do, but that's not what M103 is about. It's about Islamophobia, which I don't believe exists. There was, a, and I mentioned this last weekend, There a few years ago, there was a human rights tribunal hearing in Canada, and the investigator was brought forward to testify and in his testimony, he was asked about freedom of speech. And he said, oh, in Canada, there is no such thing as freedom of speech. That's an American um, idea. That's an American thing. Well, it's not called freedom of, uh, freedom of speech in Canada. It's freedom of expression. But he had no idea. This is an investigator for the Human Rights Tribunal. He had no idea that we had freedom of expression in our Constitution. This sure. is uh, such an important moment for Canadians. You know, I can simply, as an American, help uh, maintain our greatest ally north of us, uh, and I think in the West, our greatest ally is Canada. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, you can shift the the movements that are happening in society to restrict one of the cornerstones of protections of democracy, which is the ability for people to to push the envelope, because the people in the center aren't the ones that test democracy. The people that test democracy are those on the fringes. And, uh, you know, that sort of speaks to what we were talking about, Senator Flake, and um, you know, I think the two are very much related. Well, I'll ask you about uh, Senator Flake in just a moment, but you you brought up the, um, the face covering law, Bill 62 in Quebec, and uh, it's passed, it's law. And he will no longer in Quebec be able to receive public services or issue or deliver public services if you're wearing any kind of face covering. Now, that'll wind up before the Supreme Court of Canada. But it also should be said that it's been law in European nations, and I've said this on a number of occasions, and it doesn't seem to get much in the way of re response, but the European Court of Human Rights ruled on the French no niqab or no uh, face veil, and also no burqa law, the European Court of Human Rights ruled that it was perfectly acceptable, that it did not violate human rights, and that it helped society come together. 
They had then had to make a decision on the Belgian law because that was also brought forward. And again, the European Court of Human Rights, which speaks ultimately for 47 nations, said, no, the, the, this particular law is not a violation of human rights. It is perfectly acceptable within, within Belgium. Now, yesterday, I think it was in Austria, the no Burka law came into effect. I don't know if that's going to wind up in front of the Court of Human Rights. But Quebec is really um, facing a great deal of opposition to this particular piece of legislation. And you would say what to Quebec? Uh, I don't really understand the opposition at all. I really don't. Um, there is nothing more central to identifying your rights as an individual protections of free speech and individual rights than your identification of who you are. Without facial identity, you lose your ability to identify yourself, and the state can no longer protect you. So at the core of individual identity is facial recognition and facial ID. So if, if they're going to put anything forward under the guise of religious freedom, Americans have tested this law. There have been a number of cases before the Supreme Court that have said that the KKK and other groups don't have a right to have demonstrations with masks because it's a security problem. When you have thousands of people in the streets with masks, uh, people can commit crimes and they cannot be identified. And it was tested in New York State, went to uh, their Supreme Court, and ultimately the Supreme Court and was doing that you can't have a right to facial uh, um, an anonymity in public. And I think it's very important. Sure, if people want to stay at home and cover, that's up to them. But if you're going into public places, and this is why you find ISIS using more women for female uh, uh, suicide bombings, etc., there is no security when you can't identify who's committing the act. Zudi, let me put you on hold. We'll come back and we'll talk about Senator Jeff Flake and what he had to say about President Trump. Zudi Jasser is with us. Dr. Zudi Jasser, former president of the Arizona Medical Association. He's the author of Battle for the Soul of Islam, former U.S. Navy lieutenant commander. He's uh, politically active in uh, Arizona, and he's also a fill-in host on AM 96, The Patriot in Phoenix. Very busy man. Back after this. Direct, hard-hitting, no holds barred. The Word Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We must never adjust to the present coarseness of our national dialogue with the tone set at the top. We must never regard as normal the regular and casual undermining of our democratic norms and ideals. We must never meekly accept the daily sundering of our country. The personal attacks, the threats against principles, freedoms and institution, the flagrant disregard for truth and decency. Speaking in the American Senate, Jeff Flake, the uh, Republican senator for the state of Arizona, and uh, he's not running again. Uh, he was obviously taking on Donald Trump. You know the story by now. President Trump fired back uh, instantly at uh, Senator Flake. And Dr. Zudi Jasser, former president of the Arizona Medical Association, author of Battle for the Soul of Islam, uh, is going to share his thoughts on uh, what Jeff Flake had to say Zudi, how does this reverberate with you? How does it reverberate what the senator said? How does it reverberate with the people in the state of Arizona, particularly with Republicans? 
Well, I, I think, Roy, the dust is still settling. Um, you know, Jeff is a good friend of mine. Uh, he has been a wonderful senator as far as uh, Syria, as far as uh, looking at uh, foreign policy, health care issues, free markets. You know, he has a 90% consistency rate with President Trump's position. And he had a pretty good... Uh, I'm on the board of the American Conservative Union. We gave him a 90-plus percent uh, score. In the last year, though, he's been a 70%. And I have to tell you, uh, even though he's a friend, uh, you know, I think he uh, went over the top in his criticism. Uh, there's certainly room for criticizing President Trump on behavior, on personality, on some of the vindictiveness stuff. But the bottom line is, is Senator Flake's numbers have been low here because of his positions on immigration. He's part of the Gang of Eight, uh, which uh, many know about. Uh, his positions on uh, um, uh, foreign policy issues that have been isolationist and on, on not only the wall, but immigration in general. So uh, I think it was a bit bizarre, I think, to, uh, in the name of being dubbed a hero by the far left, uh, say that that's why he's leaving, when in fact uh, he was having a problem ideologically with, and this is really the biggest criticism I have, is that it's really not necessarily, I think, effective to simply blame everything on President Trump's language and what he says in Twitter and other things, there's a large body of people in our state and across the country that are voting for him and the way he's approaching things. And, you know, I think being against the establishment, being anti-swamp, if you will, uh, is, is an important thing. Disruption is important. I think it's a good thing. Now, how he did it, I disagree with the methods that President Trump used. But there is some benefit to shifting tectonically the 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 fossilized methods of approach in Washington that have restricted advancement on a number of things and and as you and I know the islamic issue is one of them that have finally started to get shaken up a bit yeah uh, zudi there was opportunity immediately after senator flake's speech for members of the republican party maybe not only opportunity there might have been a little bit of cover for them had they decided, yeah, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak against Donald Trump or the things about the president that trouble me as a member of the Republican Party? I expected some of that. Uh, other than, uh, than than Senator Corker, who had already had his problems with the president, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, you know, let me first preface this by saying, where was Senator Flake's criticism of the criticisms coming from the left? We in the conservative movement have been... There's been ads of us throwing elderly people off cliffs when we were against Obamacare. Uh, there were in the Obama era and even in the Bush era. Bush was identified as a war criminal and other things. So it's sort of odd to me that now we're starting to look at this. But having said that, you're right. I think uh, it is interesting that none have spoken up. Uh, they are afraid to do so in some ways. But I'm not sure it would be very productive. I think I've been critical of the Trump administration when they've been overly... <laughs> you know, uh, positive towards the Saudis, towards uh, the Russians or others. They've been quiet on Syria on something. So when it comes to policy, we should be clear and we should be critical. When it comes to sort of uh, politics of Twitter and, and verbiage, I'm not sure that that would help other than create a civil war within the conservative movement that ultimately the left would be the only victors there. Yeah, it's it's interesting that social media, particularly Twitter, seems to have become a political platform. And as long as it was on the fringes of being a political platform, it, it, I think it served a, a, a purpose. But now it's become more mainstream with more politicians 
uh, expressing their opinions, their views in 140 characters or less. And I think it's become a distraction, and I think it's really also becoming a negative when the politicians yeah, are think, engaged. You know, listen, I have family in Syria that uh, are fighting major, major wars and have seen hundreds of thousands killed, and we finally found revolutions, dictators overthrown simply because of social media, of Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. So these networks are tools that can be used to change society to the positive, and it can be used to change it to the negative. But I think if we want to use it positively, identifying one person, even if it's the President of the United States with the bully pulpit he has, is not the way to do it. We have to shift culturally in that. Ben Sass has done that in many of his statements, and he even didn't come to flake support, because I think ultimately the the, ben, the small benefit that you get out of simply talking about Donald J. Trump is not going to be what you get when you want a revolution of change that's going to need a lot more planning for those of us that need to strategically look at where the conservative movement is heading in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Well, let me ask you about the report the Democrats had about Donald Trump that they trotted out to with great glee and uh, savaged him and tied him to Russia. And now we know that the Democratic Party and members of the Democratic Party connected to Hillary Clinton paid for that report. And what I expected uh, Mrs. Clinton to say was, what difference does it make now? That, that is what they're saying, by the way. <laughs> is it? CNN yesterday <laughs> no. had on that, oh, really? he's a poor private citizen <laughs> in northern New York. Look at how obsessed the conservatives are about it. Why are they, you know, this whole stuff on Clinton cash and stuff. You know, it's just amazing to me that when something boomerangs and you realize that both sides of the swamp now, I would ask you to look up, there's a friend of mine, Thor Halverson, who's one of the world's biggest advo uh, advocates and activists on human rights. And he talked about how Fusion GPS created a dossier against some of the people he was working with in Venezuela. And they're known notoriously to be sort of the mafia of how to create false information about people that you want destroyed. And he was a victim of that and talked about it on Fox a few days ago. And... There's no doubt both sides of the aisle have used Fusion GPS. Uh, this time it's Hillary and the DNC that did, and it should expose that if you're actually going to do an investigation about the Russian connections, it is going to be a pretty promiscuous wicket when they get through. And, uh, you know, let the, let the chips fall where they may. And the 30 seconds we have left, what do you expect uh, from Bob Mueller's report in the next few days? Well, I hope, you know, as much as there have been calls for him to resign, you know, he's, there's an indictment apparently that uh, has fallen, and and uh, I hope it'll shed some clarity, whether it's Manafort or whoever it is, uh, that uh, there are some folks that need to be held accountable for the exploitation of their positions uh, at the expense of national security. So I think we'll see some clarity coming to what they're finding in the details. Zudi, thank you so much. Almost great speaking with you. Anytime. Thanks, Roy. Take Appreciate care. It. Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. When we come back, it's Beauties and the Beast with Catherine, Linda, and Michelle. And joining us as well will be Chorus Alberta reporter John Hempe. And uh, John's going to be spending some time talking to us about what's happening with the UCP. And their leadership panel is going to be in just a matter of hours. Brian Jean on with us earlier. Stick around.